thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, the greatest gift that was ever sown in the earth, Lord, was your son. And Lord, we are reaping over and over and over again because of that gift. And so, Lord, it is that same act of generosity that we give today, Lord, that we want to give our finances, our tithes, and our offering, Lord, to further your kingdom in the earth because, Lord, we know that truly only life can be changed and only life can be uh, made new again through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray today that you bless the offering. May it go forth and bring forth fruit in your kingdom. In Christ Jesus' name, everyone said. How's everyone doing? Had a great Labor Day weekend. Anybody been laboring? Been working in your yard? Yeah, worked pretty hard the last couple days. I want you to turn with me in the Bible to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to preach uh, just a standalone message called Mission Possible. Mission Possible. We're going to look at the words of Jesus in chapter 9 of Matthew. It's so good to see you on this Labor Day weekend. We we just believe God's going to do some great things in our lives today as we break open his word. It says this in verse 35, and we'll look at verse number 1 of chapter 10. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. A synagogue is a Jewish temple. So Jesus was teaching in the temples. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. How many of you know the gospel is not Fox News or CNN. It's actually good news. Now, if you want bad news, look at what's going on in the world. But Jesus came to preach the good news of the kingdom. Now, if he came to preach the good news of the kingdom, why do we, when we come to church, we often hear bad news? And some people won't go to church unless they hear bad news. I mean, you know, it's a good news. It's good news, the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Notice he saw the crowds, not just that he saw a mass of people, but I believe Jesus had the ability to see the individuals in the crowd. How many of you know nobody wants to get lost in the crowd? It says because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Now, Jesus is using an agricultural term, which we're seeing in southern Virginia Beach, a lot of fields that are getting ripe for harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful. He was talking about the people, the crowds that he was ministering to. He was not talking about corn or soybean. He was talking about people. He said, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Some translations say pray that the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers in his harvest field. Verse 1 says this, and Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. After he just gave them this discourse, showed them the people. After he just said the harvest is plentiful, he calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus showed them the harvest field, then he gave them the authority to go into the harvest field and to drive out impure spirits, 
to heal the sick and to heal people with all sorts of diseases. You know, Bridge Church has always been a, a, a place where people are welcome. Our mission here at Bridge Church is to connect all people to the person, power, and purpose of Jesus. That's the reason we exist. And we believe that mission is possible because God has given us authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, Jesus was a master at walking through a very hard, cold world without allowing his heart to become cold. Did you know it's possible to live in this world and become very cynical, become very cold? In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days, the hearts of many would grow cold. Why? Because we live in a world that's easy offended. We live in a world where information is coming to us at an astronomical rate. We're constantly hearing of mass shootings. We're hearing of shootings in Chicago and New York and different places, even in our city and our surrounding region. And we're seeing all this fighting among people. And it's very easy to allow our hearts to become cold. But Jesus was a master at not allowing the culture to cause his heart to become cold. He saw the masses of people, and the word of God says he had compassion on them. Now that word compassion is a Greek word that means pity. He had pity on them. If you go study that word a little bit deeper, it means to be moved at the deepest level of your being. So when Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them, he was moved deeply in his being, deeply in his spirit. He was moved by the infirmities and the helplessness of the people that were in his day. Can I ask you this question? I really want to ask you this question. Do the needs of people move you? Do the hurts, the helplessness, the hopelessness of humanity, does it move you to compassion or does it, does it cause you to become more cold in your heart? See, I believe Jesus wants us to be people that are moved just like he was. Why? Because we are followers of Jesus. He saw that crowd. They were harassed. They were helpless. And he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus called the people of his day sheep. And that's what we're called in the Bible. We're called sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, they can be a little crazy. Don't look at your name. Sheep uh, by nature just wander off the beaten path and they can become very isolated. And Jesus said these people are like sheep without a shepherd and sheep without a shepherd left to themselves can self-destruct and they become easily uh, preyed upon by predators. So Jesus said, because there's sheep without a shepherd, they need people. They need people in the harvest field to watch over their souls. And, and Jesus understood that there were predators in the world. He said they were harassed. That's what he said about these people. They were harassed by the religious people, I believe, of their day. Yeah. 
They were not only harassed by the religious people, but I believe they were harassed by the Roman government. He said they're helpless. They have no ability to help themselves. And they have no shepherd to watch over them. See, Jesus understood that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Peter the apostle said this, be vigilant, be on the alert, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And we understand that a sheep left by itself can become easily preyed upon by a predator, but when it's in the group of sheep, guess what? Their safety. Their safety. Solomon understood this concept when he said those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Solomon understood that there was only growth to the level that I'm planted in a place and I'm willing to grow. Yeah. Can I ask you this question? Are you planted or do you just keep uprooting yourself and trying to plant yourself in other places? See, compassion moved Jesus to action. All throughout his ministry, that's what happened to him. In Matthew 20, there's a story, Jesus coming from Jericho. And these two blind beggars were beside the road and they heard Jesus' words coming and they said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd and the disciples tried to quiet them and they yelled more, Jesus, Son of David, Lord, they actually called him Lord. Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and said, what do you want me to do? And they said, we want to receive our sight. And verse 34 of chapter 20 and Matthew says this, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Notice what Jesus didn't do. We know what he did do. He healed them. But Jesus did not say, well, I'll pray for you later. Yeah. How many of you know, oftentimes as believers, when we see needs that people have, we push it off into the future. I'll pray for you later. How many of you know, a single parent mom standing at Harris Teeter or Walmart in the shopping line that needs a help at hand, guess what? Prayer is not going to pray for her groceries. Sometimes God will call you to reach into your pocket and pull out some money. I was on vacation this summer and I was at a grocery store. It's a grocery store I'd never shopped at before. But I was in line, saw this single parent mom. She had two kids with her and, and she kept running her card and it was bouncing. It kept running her card, it was bouncing. And uh, she didn't know what to do. There was like people behind me in line. There was a guy in front of me. And, you know, I don't know if I did this with the right motive, but I did it. I was ready to get out of the store. <laughs> and God will judge my motive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know some of y'all just tried to judge me just then. <laughs> I was trying to get out of the store. And so I looked at the clerk and I was not the next in line. I said, I'll pay for hers, whatever it is. I didn't know what it was. I know she had some groceries she could get. It was like she needed 40 some dollars extra. And so I just walked up in the front of the line, hit my card, paid for it, thanked her, 
And she was, she was just flabbergasted. And I got back in my line. And guess what? I don't even know if I did that with the right motive. Because I was on vacation. I didn't want my ice cream to melt. Yeah. I was ready to go home. But God, even in my terrible motives, will help other people. What if I got my motive right? Not trying to get out of stores, but really help people. Help the waitress that may be trying to go to college and not get uptight because she gave you unsweet tea and not sweet tea. And bless her, not with your annual or your typical 5% tip. Amen. Maybe a 20 or 25% tip. There you go. That doesn't mean you got money just to throw away. But maybe God wants us to be more generous and look at the needs of people and what people are going through. How many of you know, if we're going to connect all people to the person, power, and purpose of Jesus, sometimes we're going to have to be a bridge. And the thing about bridges is this right here. They get walked on. Everybody wants to be a bridge until somebody walks upon you. How many of you know, there were people in Jesus' culture constantly walking on top of him. Some of them just came to get food. This man can multiply food. Let's hang out with him. How many of you grew, grew up in a church where they did homecoming Sundays? Anybody, girl, anybody, just a few of you guys. On homecoming Sunday, everybody cooked and brought food. And guess what? Attendance tripled. Next Sunday, it went back to the normal attendance. Why? Because some people just come for food. But that's okay. They come. Oh, amen. Jesus saw the greatness of the need of humanity, and he didn't see it as a problem. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw it as a mission not impossible, but a mission possible. He saw it as a way to advance the kingdom of God. And Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now in Jesus' day, the workers were few. Because he had just started mentoring 12 guys. These guys were a motley crew. They were some businessmen, fishermen, tax collector, all sorts of guys that had nothing in front of them, but they, they saw Jesus and they said, we want to follow you. I was sitting in a, a class in college and we were going over this verse. I was taking a Bible class and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, today... The workers are not few. They just don't know how to work. In my day, they were few. But in your day, there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of believers, but they just don't know how to work. That's why if the mission is going to be possible, we need mission people. How many know all of us are called to be missionaries? Now, you might not be called to go to China, Afghanistan, Iraq. You might not be called to go to Africa, Guatemala, Honduras, but you're called to go where you work and to be a missionary. A missionary at its, at its lowest common denominator means to be sent. Yeah. 
That you are a sent one into the world. Jesus said, go, all, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we are mission people that are living on mission as Bridge Church. What's our mission? To connect all people, not just some people, all people. People that don't look like us, act like us, think like us, eat like us, shop where we shop. All people. Why? Because all people matter to God. For God so loved the world. He didn't just love Pastor Archie and Pastor Tangie. He loved the world so much that he gave his son. So the people that get on your nerves, God love. The people you don't want to hang out with, like us cowboy fans, God loves. We're going to beat Tampa Bay first. Amen. We're going to live on mission. So we're mission people. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he came to his disciples and said, who do men say that I am? And some said, you're Elijah, John the Baptist, or another prophet. But Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter chimes in. He says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus responds to him. He said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said upon this rock of revelation of who I am, the Christ, the Messiah, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stop its forward missional momentum into the world. Did you know the church was never supposed to be a social club that stayed within the four walls of a building waiting for Jesus to come rapture us out of this poor, dark, cold, damp world? No, the church was meant to be an offensive agent in the world to take territory and business, education, government. And sometimes we just sit back and say the world's going to hell in a handbasket. If it's going to hell, it's because the church yeah. is not being the church. Amen. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. Come on. Jesus wasn't scared of the world. He was not intimidated by the world. If you're intimidated by the world, how can you help it? Culture is changing, and Jesus is going to rapture us out of this cold world. No, he's not. <laughs> Jesus said, Look, Father, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. Okay. Oh, that is good. Jesus didn't preach isolation. He preached insulation. Yeah. That the Holy Ghost will insulate me. And I can be in the world, and guess what? I'm not worried about the world rubbing off on me. The world better watch out. I'm going to rub off on them because there's a, a greater one that lives in me. He is the Holy Spirit, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not scared of the world. I'm not scared of people who are confused by their gender. I'm not scared of politicians. Why? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't be intimidated to, by a world that God's called you to. Amen. A lot of confusion in the world. There's moral confusion. There's spiritual confusion. There's gender confusion. 
There's economic confusion. There's political confusion. There's world confusion. And guess who the author of confusion is? The enemy. That's right. So if you're confused in any area of your life, you can trace it back all the way to the author of confusion, who's the devil. The Bible says he's the author of confusion. I mean, no, God's not confused. Amen. God is not confused. So Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to build my church. And what does that look like? In 2021, going into 2022, and Christmas is almost here. We went into the store the other day, and Tangy said, they already had Christmas trees up. And I'm like, come on, somebody. What happened to Halloween and what happened to Thanksgiving? Y'all just trying to push us right. They trying to get some of that stimulus check. <laughs> That's why your prices went up when you got that stimulus check. Why? Because everybody's trying to get some. That's right. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so what does that look like in 2021? How is Jesus building his church? Is he coming down with hammer and nails? Does he have all kind of tools, air tools? Is he Tim the tool man coming down to build this church? How is Jesus going to accomplish his mission in the world? How's he going to do that? I want you to say this with me. Jesus, Jesus is going to accomplish his mission, he's going to accomplish his mission through, me. through me. That's how he's going to build his church. You are the builder of God's church. Some of y'all in your mind say, well, I thought that was your job, Pastor Archie. <laughs> no, you want me to show you my job description? And every pastor's job description that's on staff here at Bridge Church? Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It says that Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of of the saints for the work of ministry. You know what my job is? To equip you. You know what your job is? To do the work of the ministry. When's the last time you heard that in an American church? Because this is what happens in America. We feel like we pay professionals to do the ministry. How many of you know amateurs build the ark? That's right. Professionals build the Titanic. Yeah. God uses amateurs to build his church. Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but guess what? I just keep obeying God and somehow it just keeps growing. All I gotta do is hear God and respond in faith. So he says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That word equip is not, you know, teaching you ABCs or one, two, threes or trigonometry or science. That's not what he's talking about. That word equip actually means to restore, to heal, to mend like a bone that's been fractured. That's the Greek connotation of that word. This is what it means. It means when you get saved and God heals you, you go out and heal other people. When you get saved, you go out and save other people. When God supplies your need, you go out and supply somebody else's need. 
to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? Because we're mission people. I can tell you in every church there are three types of people. Number one, there are people currently serving. Can we give all those people that are serving here at Bridge Church a big hand? Come on. They do a wonderful job. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. But did you know the modern church becomes like people watching the Cowboys in Tampa Bay play on Thursday night? There are going to be 100,000 people in the stands, and they're going to be clapping for 22 people on the field. And that's what the church becomes. People sit back and clap. Oh, man, y'all do it. Y'all go. I'm for you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Y'all do it. Look how good my church is doing. Everybody on the field's in shape because they've been equipped, but everybody in the stands, they just eating hot dogs and, man, they eating all kind of chips and burgers, drinking drinks. Some of them get sloppy drunk. I remember I carried my son, took him to uh, Dallas, Texas when they opened the new stadium there, the Cowboys, and, and he was like nine or ten years old, and we were watching the game, this big screen, man. It's 60 yards long. We were watching. I was in the football game, and I turned around. He was eating. He wasn't worried about no football game. He had chips and dip. He had drinks. I'm like, man, you could have did that at home. I, I could have saved money and bought you food at home. He was eating like he was at a buffet. I'm like, look at the game. So it's those people that are serving. Number two, there are those people who serve but now are sitting. Can I tell you, for all the business owners in here and pastors who lead churches, the last year and a half has been real tough. For business owners, the government has paid people to stay at home. Business owners can't find people to work. Why? People would rather sit at home on their phones. Mm -hmm. That should not be so in the church. Right. You know the word of God says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Yeah. On Labor Day weekend. What are we teaching our teenagers? What are we teaching a society? Could it be the tactic of the enemy is to allow people to stay at home so government becomes God? Mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you this right now. Who's God to you? Is it government or is it God? God. If you don't think there's a sinister spirit behind what's going on in our world right. to bring about a one world government, you're not reading That's right. and looking at government and news correctly. That's right. Did you know the only way there could become a one world government is if the United States folds? That's right. That could be the reason in the book of Revelation and in the end time events, the U.S. is not even mentioned That's right. in the Bible. Could it be that the U.S. will not be there in the end time? 
as we know because we have grown so accustomed to all the good things and we've become lazy. Give me government, just give me one more stimulus check. I mean, you know, as soon as the stimulus checks rolled out, everything went up. Why? Because you don't get the money back. Oh, yeah. The government's not giving you their money. They're giving you your money. That's right. <laughs> so they're not giving you anything. Come on, let's, let's, let's rise up a little bit, folks. Amen. That ain't in my sermon notes, but I had to say it. Amen. Yeah. People who serve... But I said, I just, Pastor, I needed a break. I, I just, man, I just, I just had to go to the lake about five more times this year. Pastor, man, ooh, man, we, man, we just had so many family reunions in the last month. No. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, come sit. There were times they did sit. But if you're following Jesus, he's mobile. You got to walk with him. Yes. Okay. I remember when I first pioneered Bridge Church with my wife and people would want to talk to me. I said, if you want to talk to me, we're setting up. You got to walk with me. We can talk and walk. Why? Because some people just want you to sit. No, I'm a, I, I'm a doer, man. I, I got to be doing something. We got to be expanding. So if you want to, if you want to talk, just keep walking with me. And some of the people that have been here a while, they remember how hard it was. We're setting up in temporary locations for 14 years, and people were on board, and people were doing, and they saw the vision. And and then you build a, a building that's about 30,000 square feet on 28 acres, and people come in, and they don't understand all the sacrifice that a past generation made, so they could sit in air condition. Come on. There are people in Afghanistan dying for the faith, and we can't even live and serve for the faith in America. That's right. You got it. That's good. That's good. And we pray to God, meet my need, meet my need, meet my need. I found this to be true. I don't even have to pray to God about my needs if I'll just keep serving people. Why? Because there's a principle at work. Whatever you sow, you reap. That's right. If I need money, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it away. Mm -hmm. I saw y'all. No, you don't want that. You want, you want Jesus. Jesus meet my need. No, you activate principles in God's word, and God meets your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the third person is the people that have never served. I just, I just love your church, Pastor. I love your preaching. I love when your wife transitioned. Why didn't she transition today? Why didn't she sing a little better? And those people that are sitting there just spectators. They'll clap for you. They'll high five you. They'll cheer for you. They'll yell at you. They'll point from across the room. <laughs> times get tough, guess where they at? You can't find them. All <laughs> oh, y'all got friends like that. You can't find them. Now, I understand if you've been beat up by religion and you just come here to church, you need to sit and be healed. But once you're healed, you need to get off your blessed assurance. 
and begin to serve God's people. I know y'all like singing that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. Purchase of God, born of the Spirit. What was the next one? Washed in his blood. <laughs> you sing it, you feel goosebumps, and you still sing. And you love it. Oh, I just feel so good when I come to Grace Church. <laughs> you don't serve, you don't give, and you're just taking up oxygen. <laughs> That's not God's plan. You've been healed. You've been encouraged. God wants you to get in and do that. Why? Because he wants you to be a mission person, a person on mission because the mission is possible. In this disheartening world, in this moment of human history, guess what? All things are possible. All things are possible with God. Mark chapter 9, a, a man brought a son to Jesus and said, this, my son is demon possessed and if you can do anything, have mercy on him. And Jesus said, if I can, in verse 23, what are you talking about, if I can? I spoke the worlds into existence. I put the stars in place and named each one of them, if I can. It's almost like Jesus gets sarcastic with the dude. If I can, and he says, all things are possible to them you know, the mission that we have here at Bridge Church is possible. It's possible. Look here, it says in Matthew 16, 24, it says that Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. You just have to follow Jesus. You keep following Jesus. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Can I tell you, there's a big harvest here in Virginia Beach. And we can't reap the harvest if it's just me, Tangie, Pastor Scott, and a few leaders. It takes that whole body working. The whole body working. Did you know in times of harvest in the natural, they work 24-7 out in places like Iowa and Indiana getting the harvest in because there's a short period of harvest. Think about that. And he said in Matthew 10, 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples and gave them authority. What? To do what? To reap the harvest. You have power to do that. Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my disciples, my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth. Jesus gives us power. Gives us power. Isaiah prophet of God, and I'm, in, I'm closing. Isaiah chapter 6, King Uzziah dies. Suddenly dies. Isaiah said, in the, king that, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Train of his robe filled the temple of God. He saw God, and then he made this statement. He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. 
And the angel took a coal off the altar of God and touched his lips and cleansed them. That was signifying that he healed Isaiah of his uncleanliness. God makes this statement, who will go for me? Who will go for me into the, into the field? In actuality, Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Which is a picture of the Trinity. Who will go for us? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me into the harvest field. Is that our prayer today? This is what I'm asking. I believe this is what ministry is. I'm asking that we do for someone else what is already being done for us presently. How many know when you came through the door, you probably got greeted by a greeter? It's a parking lot attendant telling you where to park. I know that aggravates some people. checked in by a children's worker in the back if you had kids. You were served some coffee. It might not be Starbucks, but it'll work on Sunday morning. So ministry is just me giving back what has already been given to us or to me personally. I remember when I was five years old, I was in a children's class. Kind of ironic that the pastor's wife was teaching the children's class. I think they had just came to that church and they were trying to grow it. And I was sitting in the class and at the end of the class she gave an altar call. Salvation call. Let's put it like that. I can remember the little church. It was a little white church. Smithtown. On Long Island. It was Assembly of God Church. Five years old. I gave my life to Christ. Changed me as a five-year-old. Knew that the Jesus loved me. And I often wonder, my pastor's wife at that time, and I know I don't sound northern because I was basically raised in the south. When I was eight, I moved from Long Island, New York to North Carolina. But I often wonder, lady would have not been willing to serve tell me about Jesus she didn't have a six figure salary she had no salary she had a heart for God a heart for the mission a heart for people I was saved Think about the thousands upon thousands of people that have been touched by Bridge Church because we live in a very transient area. People come and people go. This church was in Atlanta, Charlotte, somewhere like that in the south where it's not as transient. It would be 10,000 plus people right now. But we see people come, they stay two years, and the military takes them out, jobs take them out. Thousands of Sunday school teacher was. It was my mom. So she would tell me how to live all week. <laughs> and 
on Sunday. She would take, teach me the Bible lesson in Sunday school. And then she would regurgitate that Bible lesson all week. Son, don't you remember? <laughs> you know, I got an amnesia, Mom. <laughs> but the thing about my mom is this right here. She had eight kids and a disabled husband. Totally disabled. Wheelchair bound. Not one time have I never, ever seen my mom not serve. She could have said, man, I've got eight kids. It's just enough to, for me to get to church with them. Youngins. In fact, I remember my mom on the way to church in a Buick station wagon in the 80s. It was packed with eight kids. She would stop and pick up a couple more. And we'd all be harping on, Mom, there ain't no room in here. She said, people need Jesus. We, we could push it. We, we're only a mile and a half from the church. You don't have to ride real tight long. Just squeeze it. It's up to her, she had to put them on top. <laughs> Buckle them down just to get them to Jesus. They made an impact. What I'm asking, you say, Pastor, what are you asking? This is what I'm asking. So just like businessmen in our community, you mean employees. If you've got teenagers, that need jobs and they got they want to work, send them out here. There are plenty of jobs. I'm talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. Even wages going up because people don't want to work. You got teenagers, maybe you need a job. Go to Chick-fil-A. Help the gospel bird out. But for Bridge Church, this is what I'm asking. Our attendance has been good during COVID. It hasn't been where it was pre-COVID. That's to be expected. But there's a term in football. You out-punt your coverage, meaning you can't get down and cover the punt because the punter kicked it too far. Our attendance is way up here, but our volunteerism is way down here. kids ministering we need people I can't I can't tell you any other way we need people that love Jesus we cannot be like the world trying to save our lives because Jesus said if you try to save your life you're going to lose it but if you lose your life for the gospel's sake you'll find it Jesus never ran away from people that had diseases. And sometimes I'm appalled at the American church. We run from COVID trying to save our lives. And I'm not saying don't use wisdom. But I just heard of a church this week that said, if you cannot show that you've been vaccinated, you can't get in our building. That's the American church. 
pathetic. Amen. I don't care if you've been vaccinated, unvaccinated, anti-vaxxer, all for vaccine, science, anti-science, the door is open here. Amen. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. That's the answer. It's the good news. I'm convinced that the enemy wants to divide people across every line, gender line, ethnicity, vax, unvax, government, and I, we got all this confusion going on. Why? Because the devil is the author of confusion. We got to see through that and say, hey, God wants to do supernatural things in our lives. So what are you asking? I'm asking you to do for somebody else what's already being done for you, especially in our children's ministry. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign up. The word right there. But not just, you say, Pastor, I got two kids. I'm, I'm with kids all week long. But they're not your kids. There's somebody, somebody hand on your kids right now. And you, you probably need to, whoever's working back there right now, you probably need to give them a tip. <laughs> you know your kids better than anybody else. <laughs> he said, Amen, Pastor. Woo, that's why I come to church. I get free babysitting. service a month. Two services a month. Here's how you can sign up. Put that up on the screen right here. Ways to sign up for a dream team. Complete a card that you've received. Put that in the make a difference boxes as you go out the back door. Head to the blue tent. They can sign you up. Text the word bridge to the number 94,000. Choose number six. Go to the bridge app. Download the bridge app. Choose serve in the menu. You can sign up. You go to bridgechurch.tv backslash serve and sign up. Say, I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to give my life for the gospel. I went back and spent about 45 minutes with, no, it was actually three hours with my pastor about four weeks ago. He's very sick. Not COVID, guys. I haven't been exposed to COVID. Not that I know of. If I was, I just believe God would protect me. Amen. And if I die, you know where I'm at. I ain't lost. I'm in heaven. I'll probably be asking Jesus why didn't the Cowboys win? <laughs> but as I went back and they own big property like we do and multiple campuses, I remember all the times I served at their old church and would cut grass and clean bathrooms and, and serve him and serve that church. And guess what? I never regret that. Never regret it. But serving didn't start when I went to church. My parents taught me how to serve. I had aunts. Some of y'all call them aunts. And they were all elderly. And my dad would say, I need you to go cut her grass, her grass, your grandma's grass, and then drive way over there 30 minutes and cut your aunt's grass. My aunt's grass that lived 30 minutes away always had grass this high. 
And he says, when you cut it, don't receive any money. I just want you to see. It was the best thing my parents ever did for me. Taught me to serve. Taught me to serve. Did you know you can serve your way right into purpose? That's what I did. I served my way right into purpose. I'm not pastoring because I saw this bright light. I'm pastoring because I saw a need and I was willing to meet the need. Did you know the need is the call? Bill Wilson, who runs the largest Sunday school in America, is founded in New York City. Thousands of kids been impacted. He said God never told him to go to New York pastor children and create this Sunday school that would reach 20, 30, 40,000 kids a week in New York City. He said, I saw the need. That was the call. That was the call. So many times we pray and say, Lord, just show me. I found this to be true. The Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter to the dawning of a new day. My path cannot grow bright if I'm not taking steps. <laughs> 